Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. It's been a month, but we are back. And I am joined from the heart of the COVID capital of the world, Los Angeles, the city of angels, literally angels that have died from COVID. It's Aaron Alvarado. Aaron. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, what's going on, buddy? A wet cough? <laughs> Hold on, I can't smell anything. What's that? Oh, I don't know. What's, what's, what happened with that smell? <laughs> I really wasn't afraid of COVID until the news broke that that losing your sense of smell was a possible symptom. Horrifying. That's when I, that's that's when I started. I started taking it seriously. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I can take struggling breathing. I can take a fever, the cough. I, I'll handle all of that. Intubate I'll get hooked me. up to a ventilator. I'm, I'm not scared of a ventilator. And uh, <laughs> that to me, that's honestly like probably the best breathing I'll have uh, yeah. in my entire life. Honestly, straight yeah. oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. And no effort. You don't have to do a thing. It does mm-hmm. all the work for you. Sounds very cool. relaxing, I yes. would think. But when they said you can also lose your sense of smell, I said, give me the mask I'm wearing. And this. sense of taste, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're linked. Right. So could you imagine not being able <sighs> to enjoy a good meal? Like, no. Uh, yeah. So, uh, folks, wear your masks. Wear your I'm wearing masks. three masks at a time now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I leave this room. Like, I'm talking about inside my apartment. When did I go I between you? rooms, I'm putting on three masks. Uh, did I tell you that my dad? I caught my dad wearing two masks? <laughs> this, is, this is how much, like, look, my, bless my boomer parents. It's been a struggle yeah. to get them to take the coronavirus seriously at first. Right. But. Right. I've worked very hard at it, and now they're taking it seriously, but uh, I think I, I've gone too far because I went over to my parents' house to check on them. My dad opens the door. He's inside his house. Just my mom is the only other person there. He, his mask is on. Indoors, inside his house, he's wearing a mask. Better safe than sorry. I said, Dad, you're inside. You don't have to wear it. I mean, like, thanks for doing the work, but you don't have to wear it in here. And he said, okay. And he takes it off. There's a second mask underneath. And I said, Dad, <laughs> why are you wearing two masks? And he said, in case you asked me to remove the first. <laughs> okay. I didn't ask him to remove the second, by the great way. Great bit. <laughs> That's a great bit. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, but There's, uh, I, I got to say, man, I you know, this whole, the whole mask wearing thing, I don't understand what the, I really don't understand it whatsoever. I think we touched on this last like time. Like how you, you don't I understand think it's, that masks are useful? I don't understand the opposition to it. I really oh, don't understand oh, I think like, I don't get the mask so, thing. Like, why bother? Well, I mean, if we want to go into the science of us, it is, there is some, I mean, we, we won't go into it now, but let's just say I wear my mask. Okay. Yeah, I'm, good. I'm in. Thank However, the, the, the videos that are coming out of people not wearing their masks. Yeah. Mind blowing. Oh yeah. They, because they've reached a fever pitch. Like yeah. now, you know, the first wave, you saw some little like confrontations. You saw people getting huffy and puffy. Yep. And then it started to escalate. You, you did see some physical physicality. Mm-hmm. Like there's a famous video of a, uh, an older gentleman trying to um, storm his way into a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And the door greeter literally stopped him at the door and pushed him down. Yeah. Um, and now we've reached a pinnacle because yeah. I just saw a video uh, two hours ago. Two boomers standing in line. I want to see it was a grocery store. Yes. They were wearing masks, but yes. these were not these were not masks. These were um, some sort of sleeve that they fashioned to their faces and they had drawn swastikas on them. Ah. Not kidding. Not kidding. 
they were proud of this too they were pointing it out and saying look we're wearing a mask and yeah yeah so this is where we're at now um <laughs> it's it is i i could never have imagined well, dude, well, look, there have wild. been lives have been lost. People like secu- there's yeah. been security guards at stores that have been killed, shot and killed right. after mass confrontations where they have a confrontation. The person leaves the anti-mask person leaves. They come back with a gun and they exercise their God given Second Amendment. Right. That's right. And they murder the security guard who asked them to wear a mask. Uh, God bless all the frontline essential workers, by the way, like that Walmart, the Walmart worker that tackles the guy. That not, I mean, I mean, bless them for making six bucks an hour doing that. Uh, but yeah, it's I mean, we've we talked about it on the la- I think the last pod or two pods. I don't remember which one. I think, but this is the best content right now. Like in the in the absence of movies, I'm googling Costco meltdowns, Trader Joe meltdowns. Yeah. Just give yeah. me every one you've got because these things are incredible. And there, there were, I will say they were more fun when the people went in somewhat ignorantly, like, oh, you're, you're going to actually make me wear a mask. Now the ones coming out, they're going in purposefully to ca- like, exactly. without a mask to cause a scene like the people wearing That's ones. Right. Well. And it's just become this, it's theater. It's theater in the worst way, but also just like, I don't know, it's like, I, it's like when a train's crashing. I don't want the train to crash, but I'm going to watch it. I, I will watch it. Um, this is yeah, I think- right off the rails. Exactly. No, we're this country is completely off the rails. Completely. There's no going back. Um, I don't care who wins in November. They're not going (laughs) to fix this. I I hate to break it to people that think that, you know, your guy's going to win in November and things are just going to be magically back to uh, back to normal. Not going to happen. People, we are we are in uncharted territories. We are off the rails. Um, There is nobody that can put this genie back into the bottle. It is we're so far beyond we're literally the butt of the joke of the entire planet everyone sees the videos that are coming out of the united states everyone sees the numbers that are coming out of the united states as far as infections go and deaths and they're literally laughing at us um because we cannot get our stuff together so it's a wild wild situation and you know what the worst part is we don't even have movies to escape with we don't have movies we got nothing i just want movies give me movies Yeah, we did I get people... sports back, so I'm, I'm happy with that. But I need kind movies. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, a lot of people are talking about 2020 just being this disaster of a year. I will tell you, if the Kings make the playoffs, 2020 for me might be my the best year. Um, <laughs> that, like, that would actually turn it around for me to be one of the greatest years that oh, yeah. I've lived in since the last time the Kings made the playoffs, which was 2006. <laughs> um, longest current NBA or playoff drought in NBA, but it's a anyway, bit of a, bit of a drought. Bit of, bit of a drought. There's a dry spell in Sacktown. Yeah. Uh, but I want movies back because my entertainment isn't movies; it's real life people just melting down. Now, I, Aaron, I've tried to think of ways to capitalize on these videos, like staging. I want to stage a mask meltdown. Sure. The, the problem is, is I can't do it myself because right. Like as confident as I am that I could make, I could manufacture a video that would go viral. Okay, yeah. look, I'm, this isn't my first uh, vi- first rodeo in the viral department. Okay, <laughs> I could make a video go viral, but it would be at the expense of me losing my employment and uh, and yeah, be publicly so that's, disgraced. That, that's the downside. Now we do. I don't yeah. know if you saw this. There was a couple of guys 
couple of YouTube yes. uh, content creators that went down to Huntington. Some Beach, of my I favorites. Yes, this is the same yeah. folks that uh, argued before the uh, Santa Monica City Council to erect a statue in the honor of Paul Walker. Okay. Yeah, Chad really, Kroger. Really, it's yeah. a brilliant move, really. I mean, because they were the way that they handled it was yeah. they were just giving out free masks. Just like, giving that was their out. bit. Yeah. They weren't telling people to wear them. Nope. They were just saying, you can have a free mask. But when they approached yeah. these people on the pier at Huntington Beach, on the boardwalk, they just approached them and say, ma'am or sir, do you need a mask? They, the, the people not wearing masks immediately take this personally as if they're being oh, yeah. accosted. Okay. Oh, yeah. And the reactions ranged from literally one co- older couple uh, that suggest that those who wear masks are going to hell, which is amazing. Like, it's true. It's but like, yes, do you want to go amazing. to hell or heaven? Because wearing a mask, you're not getting into heaven wearing a mask. And I'm like, well, I mean. St. Peter can't recognize you if you're wearing a mask. I, He's like your iPhone. No COVID-19 in heaven, to be fair. So you, do, you don't <laughs> no, you, need you're a not, mask. <laughs> yeah, you're not unlocking the gates to the pearly, uh, the pearly <laughs> gates if you cannot be face recognized. So <laughs> take the mask off. Uh, yeah, that's the other yeah, second most annoying thing for me with COVID-19 is when I'm trying to read my phone in a supermarket when I'm wearing my mask and Face ID is not unlocking my phone because it can't recognize my face. Do you know how frustrating that is? I have to freaking punch in my code and I get it wrong 50% I'm because oh, yeah. oh, I'm well, trying to You're also to, wearing gloves. Uh, that's the thing. You're wearing latex gloves. I'm wearing gloves. Time, so. Oh my gosh. I makes me I wish I missed Touch ID. I missed when Apple took my fingerprint uh, you know, and then gave it to the NSA. Oh yeah, uh, but I missed them scanning my fingerprint. There, I it was so much better than this Face ID. Or <laughs> wouldn't it be wonderful if the flagship feature of iOS 14 that comes out in October is a Face ID that can de- detect you wearing a mask? That's that would be oh, like that's perfect. oh my gosh, I would pay for that iOS software update. I really would. Oh yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's a, getting tangential here. But that video of those guys in Huntington Beach, the reactions ranged from the idea that wearing a mask means you're going to hell to almost a physical confrontation with a large dude, older overweight dude on a bike who got off and just came at them. And they were like, get ready to run. And they're, and they're trying so hard to be nice. Like <laughs> we're just trying to, we just asked if you wanted, we're just giving out free masks and people were just cussing at them and yelling all sorts of expletives. And it was just Brilliant. amazing to see how politicized this is. It's pretty sad. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, <sighs> That, that is the perfect state of America in 2020. So yeah. I think that's – if we can nominate a video, um, a viral video for an Oscar, that one deserves it. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Especially when you consider there's nothing else that does deserve an Oscar that, that's been released this year. So – Yeah. Well, except for First Cow. My money's on First Cow. Ooh, First Cow. Wow. First Cow uh, is winning my Best Picture Oscar. Well, I, I do want to talk about that, by the way. I want to talk about what we're watching uh, you know, there's kind of a dearth of content right now, or, oh, yeah. or I don't know if I'm just oversaturated, and I don't know what it is. But um, I, I should mention up top this title. This the, the title of this episode is Tenant, and uh, I, and I don't want to mislead people. Many people know that are listening to this. The Christopher Nolan film Tenant, which has been delayed twice this week, it was announced a third delay. Except this one's indefinite. They did not announce a new release date. And they, uh, I, other than I think they look forward to releasing it sometime later in 2020. So they tried, they suggested it would still be this year. We'll see. Um, Christopher Nolan. I don't Nolan, think it's happening. Christopher Nolan, who believed this movie, he was going to be the savior of cinema. He must be seething. Must oh, be yeah. angry. I, I wonder what those conversations are like. 
Um, and so uh, the thing is, is this episode is titled, you know, it's, it's a Tenet movie review. And anyone who's seen the trailer for Tenet knows that we don't know what exactly the plot is, but we do know it has to do with this weird time-bending kind of thing that's happening. And you see in the trailer, there's these scenes where they see, like, bullet holes in the glass and John David Washington's like, and Robert Pattinson are like, what's happened here? And they're like, it hasn't happened yet. And then everything goes backwards. And so I kind of view this, ep- this podcast episode as kind of a tenant scene. Like, we haven't seen it yet. Exactly. But we, you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? So that's why I thought if, it was an appropriate title. If we had, it would be here. And it folks, would, let me say, yeah. it's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10. For now, a very good movie. Would you say Tenet wa- it was better or worse than uh, The Butterfly Effect? Because oh, I'm, it's similar. Yeah. Similar movies, I think. But The Butterfly Effect features a Fincher classic in seven. And just the scene that just the fact that they show scenes of seven in butterfly effect Mm. means that butterfly effect is is really elevated to a seven level plus it's plus you have yeah right and you have the uh the great performance from ashton kutcher yeah so peak ashton (laughs) he's is he doing it is he still acting or is he just uh well he's acting like a tech investor i can tell you that oh yeah yeah (laughs) right he's so he's full on uh, he's a tech bro he thinks he's right. Silicon Valley's. He exactly. Thinks he's so he thinks yeah. he's part of it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, he played. Yeah. He plays. Uh, he plays your guy. I can't. Why am I blanking on the Apple founder? Uh, Steve Jobs. Steve oh, Jobs. Wasn't exactly. Yeah. Pl- no, oh no. <laughs> Which? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The real one. So he plays Steve Jobs in the movie, and now he yeah. thinks that he is part of the tech world. So that's great. Oh yeah, that's really what it is. I think what what did he? I'm trying to remember what his first big investment was that he got pretty lucky with. Was it Twitter? Was it, or was it was Twitter? I'm pretty yeah, sure it's Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, good on him. That was a wise investment. But now he's mm-hmm. just like that's he's all in on that, which is probably good because I'm not sure he was a good actor. <laughs> I liked <laughs> I liked punked, but <laughs> that that's about it. Uh, also, he did tweet out the viral post of mine on Reddit of my sister who. Uh, filled out the absence uh, when her basically son missed school to go to the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter and the yeah, Texas yeah. school district, you know, asked for an excused absence reason. And she wrote, you know, he was studying at the School of the Dark Arts. Ashton Kutcher tweeted that out across. He sent it out across all of the social media. So he is That's a friend of the good. family. So I shouldn't say too many bad <laughs> things about him. But uh, speaking of friends of the family, Aaron, is it? Hold on, wait a one second. Is there anyone in your family that hasn't gone viral? Your through, your dad has. Me? You have your sister. <laughs> if my family through me, I'm going to take all this freaking credit. My sister oh, yeah. has gone viral. Yeah. My because of my sister, I had Good Morning America reaching out to me to get her on mm-hmm. camera. I was acting as her agent. I said no. I, I said <laughs> how much, and they said we don't pay people to then get off. No. Um, and <laughs> I, I, today's show in Good Morning America, uh, due to me, I got my nephew, the son, uh, one of the sons of the same sister, in a Google commercial that played multiple yep. times during last year's NBA Finals podcast. <laughs> multiple times. It was basically on every break. Every <laughs> commercial break. So, <laughs> I did my taxes uh, a couple weeks ago, literally the day before tax deadline. <laughs> sure, smart. Yeah. And I made the mistake for the first time in my life of going into an H&R Block office to do mm-hmm. my taxes because they were a little bit more complicated this year for reasons that yeah. we won't go into. Um, sure. Let's just say I had a great 2019 and 
No, but uh, is, so that's a good thing to be bragging about right now. In, yeah, isn't it? Isn't in it? The heart yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. No, it's great. People are gonna love this. Um, shout out to my unemployed friends. Uh, but I, the the woman that's helping me do my taxes, we're going like basically I have like a 1099 or whatever from the payment for the Google commercial that played sure. at the NBA Finals, right? So they paid um, through the company that I licensed the footage through, and. Uh, and so we're going over basically like how to categorize this business expense. And she's like, well, what was the category of this? And we're going through all the ones the IRS has as options. And she's like, yeah. is, it a, is it a technology thing? I was like, no, it's a video. And we went through and finally she's like, well, what, like where, who played it? Like, who'd you sell it to? And I said, uh, Google. She's like, Google the company? I said, yeah. She goes, well, did it play somewhere? I said, yeah. She's like, where? I was like, on the national broadcast TV. She's like, when? I was like, during the NBA finals? She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you sold a clip of your nephew to Google and I played during the NBA finals? I said, that, that's correct. Um, and uh, I think she said, they should have paid you more was the next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yes. So that went viral. And then through my own, you know, hard work and merits, I've sure. had some work projects that have gone viral. To the Several. Tumor several hundred million views yes um, yeah. gone viral with the with the folks that work over at dungeons and dragons i've worked mm-hmm. with due to some of those viral posts i've been lucky i've been fortunate um and uh yeah my by photo of my grandfather with the three stooges in the 1960s sure. made the front page sure. of reddit and now i'm an exclusive <laughs> subreddit for only people that have reached the number one post on the front page so yes i've lived a viral life and, and your dad the, don't forget your dad and isaiah thomas Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> my dad became a meme. My dad got mistaken for being a reporter interviewing M- NBA legend, I should say. Isaiah Thomas, the second one, not the mm-hmm. first one. Uh, which is one of my favorite memes in the world about this meme that says Isaiah Thomas only had one reporter with him on draft, interviewing him on draft day. Now he's a top five MVP candidate. That one reporter on bended knee is my father who's never written a piece of journalism in his life. <laughs> anyway, viral, definitely viral front page of r slash NBA. <laughs> Many memes shared. I'm trying to think, I think my, yeah, my little brother, my older brother, I have not been able to get them to go viral yet, mm. but uh, soon enough, soon enough. It's um, coming. There's still time. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, why was I talking about going viral? Oh, yeah. I was talking about confidence. Was I talking about confidence in my ability to make a v- mask video go viral? Yes, Is that where absolutely. I was going? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your so, chops. Your, your bona fides. I believe I, I understand a little bit of the formula of the content, what it takes to get it going. I just can't be the subject of it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that was what I was talking about, right? I, think, I can't believe yes. I lost my train of thought. But, uh it's too dangerous yeah. for you to be on camera with for that stuff. Yeah, no, I'm the man behind the camera. I'm behind the scenes. Yes. I'm, yeah. I don't. You're the wizard. Yeah, You're yeah, the wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz behind the behind the curtain. Uh, but yeah, I just we're ripe for these videos. Like, um, the, well, my yeah. question is how how how, can, how have we not had a feature film about these freakouts yet? I know it's I know we're only five months or four months into this, mm-hmm. but. Are you telling me that a Blumhouse couldn't turn around a movie about this subject? It is perfect. Like, it's That's right up amazing. their alley. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's interesting. I'm, I'm actually getting on a plane this week for the first time since 
the pandemic started. Scam demic. Yeah. I'm going to a wedding mm-hmm. in Denver. Now, get this. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Me and me and a buddy of mine uh, that I grew up with are were. Is it Dr. Fauci? Uh, I won't say. But he does have the ear of the president. Um, <laughs> well, he used to. I used Not to. Not so much anymore. Uh, but we were going to Denver uh, to attend the wedding of, of a friend of ours since kindergarten. And uh, the problem is, is uh, the wedding in Denver, the, they already moved the wedding once because it was supposed to be towards you know, the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and now they are forced to just have the immediate families only uh, for mm-hmm. the bride and groom. And me and my other friend who were going to fly out were like, well, what are we doing now? We have these plane tickets. We're like, let's just go to Denver anyway. Maybe we yeah. can go have a bachelor party with our friend. Maybe we sure. can cheer from afar. Uh, you know, we won't be able to attend the wedding, but let's just go make a weekend of it. And it got me thinking, okay, actually, let's make a movie. And I had all these ideas. Like, the thing is, is making coronavirus content about a movie, it's just kind of like, who wants to hear more about that? But I kept trying to think of mm. ideas for mask movies. Like, just... Yeah. And I love the idea of not having any dialogue in the film because masks are on the entire time or any attempt at dialogue is misunderstood because it's muffled behind the mask. But I went from I I just went through a string of bad ideas in my head. Uh, Never arrived at a good one, just to be clear. But the idea that putting on a mask uh, gives you some sort of superpower. (laughs) Um, Oh, I like that. Or you wear someone else's mask and then you be you see. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, off the top of my head, uh, you do a meet cute. You have two people on a plane, mm. guy and girl, because we only we don't uh, we don't want to offend the Christians. Um, and by the by the end of the flight, you know they they strike up this romance. By the end of the flight, they take off their mask, and one of them is ugly, and so they never talk or full again. Be- the woman has a full beard. Full beard is full beard is oh, no oh. teeth. That would be surprising. No yeah, that would be surprising. Yeah. Uh, or do like a. You know, you're on you're on the plane, and there's this kind of mysterious fig person on the plane, and they're kind of odd, and they're walking off the flight. You're behind them, and out of their bag or out of their coat pocket, a mask falls out, and it's like, "Sir, you left your mask," and then they're gone. You're like what? And you just okay, and you put it in your pocket, and later on, you're forced to you try to get in the store, and it's required mask, and you're like, "Oh, I have this one in my pocket," and then you put it on, and uh, <laughs> let's just say your life is never the same. <laughs> <laughs> And that movie is starring Jim Carrey. <laughs> Somebody Smoking. stop me. P-A-R-T-Y? Because I gotta. <laughs> oh, man. Great movie. The Mask oh, is a great, cla- great movie. We saw that one in theaters. Oh, yeah. I mean, Cameron Diaz. Uh, it was, yeah, a very good movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of family friends, family connections. I had some segue that was halfway decent and I'm going to return to it. (laughs) But get us back on the rails. Our last podcast here was about the top five serial killer movies. And we talked a little bit about the golden state killer. We were just about to, they're going to air the first episode in HBO of the new golden state killer documentary called I'll be gone in the dark. Uh, Well, now we're five episodes in. So tonight the fifth episode airs and there's one more next week, which is the sixth. So I had mentioned in the last pod that I had a friend, a source, in the Sac County Police Department that had some involvement in the, uh, the investigation, uh, the detective group that uh, worked on the case to identify who the Golden State Killer was in Sacramento and of the, his eventual apprehension. Um, and since our last pod, the Golden State Killer 
has uh, pled guilty to 13 murders, over 50 rapes, and over 150 burglaries uh, all across California. Uh, some of the murders in Sacramento, most of them in Los Angeles, almost all of the rapes uh, in Sacramento, and several in Contra Costa County in the Bay Area, really all across California. That's his moniker, the Golden State Killer. Uh, well, since our last pod, I had uh, a chance to sit down with my source in the Sac County Police Department, and I got a whole lot of inside information about the process of identifying and capturing the Golden State Killer. Now, a lot of this has been in the press. Um, you know, it was a unique case because it had been a cold case since 1986, which was his last known uh, crime that was committed. And we didn't find him till 2018, and it took a long time. And the they found they matched his DNA by using these ancestry sites. These DNA they basically created a profile and tried to f- try, used his DNA from the crime scene to try to see if they could find him or, or uh, relatives of his and piece it together. And basically they had narrowed it down to a handful of people. So anyway, it was a really unique way of how they found him. And so I, um, on the 4th of July, uh, I spent some time with my source in the Sac County Police Department. And he, uh, he was very generous with giving me a lot of information, some of which has not been reported in the press, some of which has never been reported anywhere. I've read all of the articles that have to do with the Golden State Killer. And, uh, we got some goods tonight. We're going to break some news. Are you ready, Aaron? Ooh, oh, boy. Let's do it. I hope I hope all the trades are listening. I hope uh, the SAC B, well, the failing New York Times, yeah. the Bezos Washington the- Post. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm expecting once this hits the, the web that uh, Patton Oswald gives you a call to get your details on this. Let's just say the, the, scoop. Yeah, the soft cover re-release of I'll Be Gone in the Dark. We'll have an extra chapter in the end. Oh, um, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Um, no, there really, there were just a handful of tidbits that were kind of fun, but I will, I got to see some video footage of some surveillance. I got to see some photos of some reconnaissance. It was pretty mind blowing, but I'll, uh, I'll launch into the dirty details and try not to bore you too much. But when the detectives in the Sac County police department had identified a list of potential suspects based on the ancestry, uh, you know, genealogy sites using the DNA from the crime scenes of the 70s and 80s. They narrowed it down to a few people, and they were able to eventually uh, knock off some of those names based on where they were at different times, knowing it couldn't have been him because he needed to commit crimes in L.A. and in the Bay Area and in Sacramento. And they, they narrowed it down to one guy, uh, and that was eventually the guy that they got, and that's James uh, D'Angelo. So this is a former police officer in Auburn, California. Now, they narrowed it down to him, and in order to actually uh, charge him with any crimes, they had to get an involuntary DNA sample that was a strong match to confirm that it's him and to get a warrant for his arrest. So uh, the person I talked to was part of the crew that had to stake out his house and follow him around until uh, they could get some sort of discarded material or something with DNA on it. And so this took two attempts, okay? Uh, this, uh, these details are some of the ones that people don't know. It took two tries to get this DNA sample. The first attempt, there were f- uh, kind of a four-car caravan following him around in his car as he was just running errands, and they were hoping that he would stop long enough for them to get a DNA, like a swab underneath the handle of his car. He was driving a Subaru. Mm. 
And so my friend says they're following them, following him, you know, really nervous. Obviously, you do, want, you do not want this guy noticing that he's following you. And he said that he went to O'Reilly Auto Parts first, and then he went to the Subaru dealership to get his car serviced, and then he went to Hobby Lobby. And uh, part of my friend's Ooh. responsibility was he had to get out and take photos of him walking into Hobby Lobby to have evidence of him going in. And he was on the lookout for if he came out of Hobby Lobby to let the other detectives know you got to hurry and get out of there if you're swabbing underneath the Subaru handle, right? So they hurry as he goes in. They swab the Subaru handle. They get out, thankfully, without him seeing. And uh, my friend had to go in later and get Hobby Lobby to hand over their security tapes. Of course, they couldn't tell him who you know they were tracking. And my friend pulls up the security tapes in Hobby Lobby and shows me you know, the footage of him going in to get balsa wood. Apparently, he builds model boats in his free time, uh, oh. which is, yeah, I mean, who knew? The hobbies of a serial killer. Also, <laughs> of course, he shops at Hobby Lobby. Of course, he shops at Hobby Lobby. It's the perfect they, store. They welcome him. his patronage, I, by the way. <laughs> of course they do. Like, that store was made for him. I would think that anyone who builds model, any it's anyone who buys balsa wood should be on some sort of uh, suspect list, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Anybody that's in any kind of models, anyone that buys, say, miniature models of the new Beverly Cinema in Los Angeles, <laughs> that's a serial killer. Sure sign. <laughs> uh, that may or may not have been something I uh, uh, splurge purchase from this past week for me. But hey, so far, uh, as far as you know, I've killed zero people. Um, so I will say watching uh, the just side note, Hobby Lobby. Um, I want you to guess their reaction when the police asked to turn over the security footage. Do you think they asked for the police to get a warrant and to go through the proper <laughs> channels? To hmm. What do you think they I'm did? Gonna, I'm going to say they um, not only gave them the tape from that day, they gave them the tape from every day of the past year <laughs> yes. to go over. So. <laughs> they said, come on in the back, take what you need. They gave him a Bible, too, on his way out. Um, <laughs> But they wouldn't give them birth Not control. Not contraceptives, though. No contraceptives. No. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, they didn't even hesitate. They said, what do you need? I mean, here you go. Um, which, you know, in this case, I'm grateful because it was a golden ziggler. But I just love that it's like, oh, okay. Um, and so I'm looking at the footage of him going into the store. And let me just say, this was eerie, Aaron, because there were two women walking in. I looked like a mother and a daughter two women walking in to the store kind of slow and he walks in he's the brisk pace kind of i mean he's only five foot ten but he's a, mm -hmm. a sturdy dude he's 72 years old but sturdy and uh and he looks very intimidating and he walks in with a pretty brisk pace and he gets up right behind them as they're walking in. he can tell he's shifting behind them kind of annoyed at how slow they're walking he's like wanting to get around them and i'm watching this footage looking at these two women thinking they have no idea that the golden state serial killer is standing behind them and he's a little bit miffed at them at that moment like just i felt weird terror for it like he wasn't going to do anything to them of course yeah you know but like still watching being like th those women will have never known what was going on right behind them and they still don't know they'll never know but just no. watching it being like they, they look at this this is crazy but also had this weird sense of like kind of rage that's like dude this dude has done the most heinous crimes he gets to go into Hobby Lobby and just buy balsa wood. He's been yeah. off. He's been just been scot free. No, not a care in the world. Seventy two years old. Seventy two years old. Whatever. He's got to live his life. Yeah. Gets, you know what? And it was just like, man, like watching it. I'm just like, 
this guy, I mean, obviously he deserved to be locked up so long ago, but it was just kind of enraging to see that. He just gets to live a free life after doing this just insane, like, sadistic stuff. This is what this is the, the most prolific serial killer that's outstanding in the United States. The one that has not been arrested. Like, he's killed more people than Zodiac, than BTK, than no. Like, this is crazy. And so, yeah. watching these clips, he's showing me, which I'm certain this source was not supposed to be showing me, but it was amazing to look <laughs> at. Uh, it was really quite eerie. So, they get the DNA sample. They go back to the lab. It's a 70% match to the DNA from the crime scenes, which, as my friend tells me, is enough to confirm this is the dude. But it's not enough to have a strong prosecution case. You really want a 100% match or in the high 99s, like high 90s. And so uh, they were like, well, it's him. We know it's him. There's no doubt now. But we got to get another sample. So th- they devise another plan. And this is a lot of these details are new as well. So they, uh, they ask the city of Citrus Heights, the Sac County Sheriff's Department, if they can uh, basically borrow a garbage truck and dress up like garbage men and have the city on garbage day not service that neighborhood and they rigged a thing inside the truck basically so they could go through and they gathered all of the garbage cans on that street and for his they lifted it up in the truck and uh my source who works uh you know was telling me about the technology side of things they had to kind of rig this thing so they could basically put the contents of the of the golden state killers garbage can into a separate bag to be able to have it not be contaminated by any other garbage. And so it could be like clean evidence, ones that was bulletproof for trial, basically. And so there are all, all these police detectives dressed up as garbage men. There's, I think, three of them riding on the truck, playing the part. I mean, it really sounded like I'm out of straight out of a movie, like pretty incredible. Of course. And, you know, honest, obviously they're doing good work and someone like that yeah. deserves to be in jail. Still but to fund them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> any any cop that was involved with this situation is having a field day with that operation. I mean, they get like you said, they get to dress up like uh, oh. like trash man. They get to have this cool technology oh. like it is. I mean, there's no there's no real risk that this 72 year old man is a threat to them. Sure. He could hurt someone in that. He's near. He's done it before. But sure. like these, I mean, really, what threat is he, uh, as, you know, as someone that's backed up by a SWAT team or whatever, you know, yeah. that, that could have the SWAT team at their beck and call. Um, so this whole like the whole dressing up and creating no, technology. It. No, to I'm going to try. It's no. hilarious. Like it's straight out of a movie. It. It's very I'm funny. Gonna de- I'm going to defend while you while you push for defund. OK, you defund. <laughs> I defend. <laughs> Like, like, if you honestly, defund the police, you're, you're how are they going to afford the cost? Not a more direct way for them to take his trash than, than to rig a trash can okay, here, with, in no. a trash can. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, again, I will defend you. Defund. Um, <laughs> I think it wasn't about they weren't doing this because of the fear of him doing some like being dangerous at age 72. It was the fear of him catching on to him being followed. The moment that he realized that there was a car following him or that there's someone going through his trash that it could potentially be law enforcement. And again, this guy is former law enforcement, former military. The reason why he got away with his crimes is because he knew how to evade the police. He knew he was police. The second he thinks he's being followed is the second nothing's going in that trash can. Is the second that he's, you know, he's taking all of his trash directly to the dump, that he's not going out in public, that he's hunkering down, and then getting a, getting a DNA sample that's gone, right? Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So the fear is being detected that he is being followed and being tracked. That's what it is. Not that he's going to mm-hmm. kill them or anything. But look, 
if I'm in the police department, are you kidding me? I'm not just dressing up like a garbage man. I'm getting a fake mustache. I'm going to get, like, aviators. Oh, you know they did. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do a, fa- a fake face tat. Like, if it's in the budget, <laughs> which it is. Um, so they get a DNA sample. Uh, our heroes in blue get the job done. It's a 100% match. They, they now have enough to get an arrest warrant for the Golden State Killer. Now, what they can't get a warrant for, and I presumably, I think it's partly speculation on my part, they don't get a. They don't have a warrant to search his house at this point. I think that it that takes a little bit longer. But once they had the DNA, they wanted to immediately arrest him, and so they got the arrest warrant. And they, so my source was there on the day outside of this individual's house, the serial killer's house, and they had to wait for him to come outside to arrest him. Okay, they weren't going to go knocking on the door. That's not how this works when you have again the most prolific serial killer in America. Un, you know, unbeknownst to him, is about to finally meet the day of justice by our boys in blue um whose lives matter so uh uh, i'm being cheeky um they waited for hours the dude comes out into his garage and they can see him in the garage and he's putting around in there building his balsa wood stuff and they're waiting and they're waiting and finally the dude comes out to like inspect something on his lawn or fix something or do something on his lawn and as soon as he comes out they rush out and uh, I believe the call sign, as soon as, they went, as soon as he was out, I believe the call sign was, uh, uh, today's going to be a good day. And then they got out and they went or something like that. I, I like, personally, I would have gone with the Beamer, let's roll. But, I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a cop. So, I, don't, I mean, today is a good day, I guess, is uh, <laughs> fine, fine enough. Let's go sign. <laughs> but um, anyway, so they go out. He looks up. He doesn't even, you know, doesn't move a muscle, of course. Uh, they arrest him. He doesn't say a word. Um and they cuff him. They read him as they, he's Mirandized, uh, presumably. And they take him into uh, the police vehicle, and he's silent this whole time. And he finally says the one and only thing that he will say to the police until you know later on when he gets he has his attorney at the station. But the one thing he says is he tells them that he has a roast in the oven, and they want to make sure they go in there and turn the oven off. So uh, and that was it. That was all he had to say. Reasonable. So. Um, other than that, the little details that I got was uh, apparently he in jail while waiting for the actual you know trial to start. You know he's been in jail. He was in jail for about two years until this past week when he pled guilty. Um, he uh, was a model inmate. I guess he was like <laughs> courteous, like uh, he was courteous to the guards and always made his bed and mm-hmm. gave no trouble. What what you gonna do? Uh, I know that they had to install some special cameras to uh, make sure that he didn't commit suicide, which uh, wasn't in the Epstein budget, uh, by the way. Sure wasn't. Wasn't in the Epstein budget. But Mm. uh, thanks, de Blasio. Um, (laughs) 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 But it was uh, was in Sacramento, Sac County's budget, because we do it right here. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, so they have him on suicide watch. They they had to rig camera systems the whole bit. Um, One thing I will say... Personally, I've been, I was always curious. Uh, he lived with, he has three daughters, and he lived with one of them and, and his daughter's daughter. So he lived with a daughter and a granddaughter. At this point, he has been estranged from his wife since the early 90s, but they're not actually divorced. She lives somewhere else in Sacramento. She, she actually divorced him like, recent, like six months ago, which is kind of bizarre. But, like, if you are his kid and your dad gets arrested for being the Golden State Killer, obviously this must be horrifying. 
And I couldn't possibly imagine just mentally what that must feel like. But at some point, I would think they would want answers. And they would want to talk to him. And I asked my source, did his family ever come in to meet with him, to visit with him, right? Because he's limited at this point to his uh, counsel, right? His, his lawyer, his attorney, and family. He said he did not receive a single visit from any of his children, not just a visit, no phone calls, no in-person visits from any of his children or his wife, nothing. Zip. No communication. He said wow. no letters from them. The only, the only visits he got was from his, the attorneys, his, the, the defense attorneys. And uh, I'm just, that blows my mind. Because I would want some, I would at least want to get on a phone call and be like, Dad, tell me you didn't do it. Like, just tell me something. Well, like, I think or they know something. that he did. They, so. know that he di- they know that he did. But like, but this is someone, you know, that raised, like, I mean, presumably they didn't think their father was capable of something so heinous, but maybe not. I don't know. Like, maybe he did have violent tendencies they were aware of. Maybe this didn't surprise them. I don't know. But they didn't even follow up, which, you know. You can read into that for however you want, but I thought that was uh, pretty pretty crazy. But did, now, did you get any details about um, the status of the roast? Was it overdone? So yeah, was it? Well, this raw? is the thing. It, no, so I yes, I did. Uh, because they didn't have a warrant to search the house, they weren't allowed to go in. They they, they had done what's called sealing the house, meaning. They had to basically, like, evidence that the police didn't go in at all to tamper with it, didn't, because they can't commit, violate any laws, or else that might hurt the case in prosecuting him. Sure. So yeah. they had to go get one of the neighbors who was terrified, <laughs> viewing <laughs> what was going on, and asked them to go inside to get the roast. And uh, so the neighbor goes in <laughs> to get the roast. And it's taken kind of a while. And they're like, okay, what's going on? The neighbor's taking their time. And uh, which, by the way, if you've seen the documentary, you know, one of the modus operandi of the Golden State Killer was that not only would he tie up his killers and make them like lie down and wait, he would go around their house, go in their kitchen, open their fridge, he'd start eating food, he'd hang out for a couple hours. And I kind of hoped maybe the neighbor was doing the same thing, you know, just moseying <laughs> around. A little payback. A little payback. Tastes of his own medicine. Poetic justice. <laughs> While he's out tied up in cuffs. Um, no, so they're like waiting and the neighbor finally comes out and he's got a plate full. He, he's cut the roast. He's eaten about half it and he's like, delicious. This thing was go- perfect. Um, no, no. All of that was true except the part where the neighbor ate. So the neighbor had to go and pull the roast out. And I'm like, did you wild. throw away the roast? Or I mean, can we auction that? The Golden State roast or something that's like, you know what I mean? Like, this is a killer roast. You know, it's you got to do oh, something. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, add, you know what? Add that roast to his kill count. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, add that roast to, to the kill count. It came out really burned, though. It did come out pretty burned. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway. So so you're you're watching the documentary, yeah. right? At the, yeah. Or you're watching the series at the same time. I am. Yeah. So. So how how are they handling it? Because I haven't watched any of it. So I, I mean, I've read the book. Yeah. Um, I know I listened to the podcast that you gave me of you yeah. linked me to. Yeah. Um, but I haven't watched the documentary at all, the series at all. So how are they handling it? Pretty good. Now this the series is really about Michelle McNamara's invest amateur investigation and eventually uh, writing a book about the Golden State Killer. And so sure the the, the documentary is thrilling. And it's exciting to me because it's, you know, a lot of it takes place in Sacramento. It's interesting to see these neighbors I grew up in. Um, 
But you know the Hobby Lobby where he where he was. It's in Roosevelt. It's literally two and a half miles from where I live right now. It's down. I've, you know, my my wife has been there before. I refused to shop at Hobby Lobby for mm-hmm. both political and religious reasons. But you import all there. your balsa wood. I yeah, I get yeah no I I import yeah I get yeah. Uh, yeah I get my balsa my balsa wood cut is cut by prison labor overseas and I have it shipped in <laughs> very inexpensive that way not problematic but anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, there. I will say this about the documentary series. When they're focused on the investigation and they're interviewing the detectives that were investigating uh, him in the 70s and 80s and, you know, to no avail, hearing their story and the way he did these crimes, it's th- really on the edge of your seat thrilling. The stuff when they focus a little bit on Michelle McNamara and, and Patton Oswalt is less interesting to me. So I kind of... I've got to the point where I could skip over those parts. But when they're going in on the details of the crimes and the interviews with the victims, especially there's one where there's, there's this victim, it's, they're interviewing both her and her husband. It's the only one in there where they're interviewing both the couple. Usually it's just the woman. Most of the men, I found out uh, from the reading or listening to an interview with the director, most of the men refused to be interviewed uh, that were victims. And except in this case of one Sacramento couple and as the wife is telling the details about you know, the crime and, and the, the specifics of the assault while he is tied up in the other room with dishes uh, stacked on top of his back that he can't move because the Golden State Killer said if he hears the dishes fall, he's going to kill his wife while the Golden State Killer is in the other room with his wife, which is just horrifying. She's telling these details and a brilliant move by the director, Liz Garbus. She starts to focus in on the face of the husband as the wife is telling the story. And the way he is reacting, he's grimacing, and there's this pain in his face where you could tell he still blames himself for not being able to do anything. And the reality is, is he couldn't do anything. And, it, it, and it's like you feel for the guy so much. It's such an emotional moment because you just feel so badly for him because you know he is not only the trauma of that happening to you, but just you could tell that he thinks he didn't protect his wife. And it's pretty devastating. Um, but it's really, really fascinating documentary. I, so I, I really one recommend of the, it. One of the, uh, listen to that podcast is really interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the stories they tell is, uh, I think there's a couple times where he, the Golden State Killer broke in and, um, his victims were armed. Like there was, I think there was one lady, yep. she pointed a gun at him and she couldn't shoot, she couldn't shoot him. If mm-hmm. I recall, mm-hmm. I mean, he took the gun away from her. And then there was another one where, um, I think it was a man and woman, and the guy had his hand, or he couldn't reach the gun from where yep. he was in the bed. And I think was is, I don't know if that's the same guy, but that guy sounded like particularly like he was blaming himself, like oh. that he should have had he should have the gun in reach, and and like you know he should have got the drop on the Golden State Killer basically because he was he, yeah. in his mind he was prepared. Yeah. So you know to be I can't even imagine like you said. Like yeah. to live through that constantly, through that, yeah, through the um, blaming yourself, and then also, you know, the the pain and the guilt and everything that's associated with something like going through something like that, and you know, to never have any resolution until 2020, and even then, like I, I don't know if you get closure. I don't know if it's possible to get closure, even when the guy admits to it and he goes to jail and he says, you know, I did kill all these yeah. people. I don't know if that brings closure. I don't think it's possible to live your life that long, to blame yourself for that long. Um, the act is already done. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the violence has already been performed. Um, holding someone accountable, I don't know if it brings 
the type of closure that someone would require. And um, and so I, I don't know, man. I, I just feel for these people, anyone that was involved, obviously, that kind of uh, trauma is just uh, life-altering. So Totally. It's pretty amazing that anyone would be interviewed for that uh for that documentary. I mean, these are people that are involved with the killer. Incredible courage, right? I, I mean, a vast yes, majority absolutely. of the victims, you know, didn't want to be interviewed. Totally understandable. Sure. Um, but the people that, that did agree, and it's interesting because some are so matter of fact about, they'll just talk about the details in great detail and seem mm-hmm. to be like either they've talked about it so many times or they're at peace or whatever it might be. Like they've worked through the trauma of that, would you know, certainly that they experienced uh and some are like some are more detailed some are are less detailed some you can tell they're kind of pulling punches in the way they describe it and they don't want to <sighs> describe too much and others are are like, like an open book um but anyone that agreed to be interviewed it's any victim it's really it's quite incredible um and so yeah it's it's definitely worth watching it's really good yeah i'll check it out for sure um, now you brought up the the whole Patton Oswalt Michelle mm-hmm. McNamara thing. Mm-hmm. I think you were talking about um, Bill Simmons and The Ringer. Yeah. Had some similar comments about that. He did, and you said that he had he shared your view that that was the weak aspect of the, he, the documentary. Yeah, he was less interested in the story of the person writing about the Golden State Killer. I really, just wanted to hear about the Golden right. State Killer, right? I mean, there's so yeah, yeah. Well, I would I would wonder like, do you think that if he had Patton on his, on his podcast, how do you think he would? Would he still have that same opinion, or do you think he might change it? Oh, interesting. That's really interesting. I think the chances of uh, Bill Simmons telling Patton Oswalt to his face that he didn't like any part of the documentary, which Patton Oswalt is an executive producer, um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that there's no chance whatsoever Zero. that Bill Simmons <laughs> confronts Zero. him. In fact, I think he goes the other way. I think he thinks... I fast forward through the serial killer parts just to get to the Michelle. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. He's like, I'm a writer myself. I'm fascinated by the mm-hmm. process of writing a novel. That's mm-hmm. the stuff I wanted to see. So thanks for including it. That's what he would say. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. That's what a worm. Exactly. Oh, what a worm. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I do want to talk about other things that we're watching right now during the pandemic that have been good. Um, I think, there's a lot of different type of content out there, documentary series, um, different movies. I've been revisiting movies. We just hit the year mark of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh yeah. Um, my reference earlier to purchasing a miniature uh, model of the New Beverly Cinema, where we saw it on opening night with Quentin Tarantino, y- you and I and Jeff. Uh, one of our legendary two-part uh, podcast episodes. <laughs> Please revisit it. That was one year ago today. That's um, crazy to me. I can't it? believe it's been a full year. Yeah. So I, I was looking for ways to commemorate that memory. It's really just one, just one of my great cinema movie-going memories. And so purchasing the model was... Do you have a one photo of, the, of, of it ways. by any chance? What's that? Do you have a photo of the model by any chance? Can you um, bring it up on the screen? I don't up on the screen, no. But it's basically, oh, look at a, just any well, photo of the new Beverly Cinema, and the model is like <laughs> perfect. <laughs> But there's other ways of commemorating that movie as well as, as a, really any movie that you want. And that is through Cinestripes. Have you heard about this? I have not. What are Cinestripes? <laughs> so, Sounds interesting. No, what is it? Okay, they're socks. I, you know, I love stance socks. Okay, These things, better than stance socks. But they're these socks. I kid you not. They take frames from popular movies, really any movie you love. They take a frame from the film, a whole bunch of frames. I'm not sure if it's the whole movie or, or what, but they 
basically stripe the sock with all these different colors of stripes all the way across. So it looks like a striped sock, but really it's a it's an entire movie. Okay. Now they're microscopic, so they, but they're sinister yeah. stripes across socks. They also have ties. Okay. That's it's. I'm kidding. I'm not. So even they joking. compress the real. images. Yes. Like, so think of it like a. Uh, a, a film strip is compressed yes. until it, just the, the stripes of light yes. form a design, and now that's on your tie or your socks. It's on your yes. Amazing. Your yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing if you stretch the fabric enough and hold it up to the light, you could just go ahead and watch the movie. Um, <laughs> I need to fact check me on that. But no, it is. You just have cool. to move it. Move it you quickly. Go, back yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta <laughs> pull. You just gotta yeah. Keep. You gotta pull super fast. Really fast. Really, really fast. <laughs> it's like an old timey, you know, <laughs> before the talkies. Um, no, yeah. So like uh, for me, it was for once time, once upon a time in Hollywood. I wanted to get the miniature model, and I wanted to get my Cinestripe socks uh, available at Cinestripes.com. So Cine, just like you, just like you think it's spelled C-I-N-E, and then Stripes, S-T-R-I-P-E-S dot com. You can get socks. You can get ties. You can actually do custom stuff, and uh, you're gonna be excited about this. I've wanted to get a custom Cinestripe of the footage of the Hobby Lobby surveillance stuff of the Golden State Killer oh. on my socks. Yeah. Which is putting him on my feet is the ultimate sign of disrespect in many countries. So oh, yeah. I just thought more poetic justice for James D'Angelo, the Golden State <laughs> Killer. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be doable in their custom orders, but I'm going to try. Um, so, uh, yeah, Cinestripes. If you are getting a movie on your socks, Aaron, what movie are you getting? I mean, it's going to be, it's pretty hard to choose just one, but if it's just going to be one movie, man, I think I might go just looking around. I think Karate Kid. Oh, you would do there you go. Cobra Kai. The Cobra, Cobra Kai YouTube Kai, series, Kid. or would it be Karate Kid the movie? <laughs> well, I'm going to do Karate Kid one through three, all three of them. Uh, oh, um, so I'm going to need three socks. Yeah, I was going to say, so do, one tie, do one tie for, do one tie and then two oh, socks. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, the trilogy. The tie, the tie I'm going, um, Karate Kid one, and then the socks are two and three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I don't know if that's doable, but Love it's it. my request. Um, I do encourage people to check out Cinestripes.com. Are they a sponsor of the pod? No. I just love mm-hmm. the product. Is it a friend of mine that started the company? Maybe. Did I go to college with them? Yes. <laughs> I think, you know, any entrepreneur is a yeah. friend. That's yes. the way that I look, look at it. This is a so. small business. It, we're during a pandemic. This is cool. It really is really yeah. cool. Go to Cinestripes.com and check it out. Speaking of I custom, love the idea. Uh, that miniature, this miniature model, it's a 125th scale of the New Beverly Cinema that I purchased uh, for an undisclosed amount. Um, <laughs> when I saw, basically the New Beverly p- posted this on twitter they posted the guy the artist who made it they posted it on twitter and instagram and i looked at it and it's such an incredible model it's so and i cool. dm'd the guy and i'm like hey, do you have a buyer do you sell these like i mean i didn't know if he was just like a if he has a business and he said no someone's already claimed this one but i can make another for you and i said please um you know cost doesn't matter uh, <laughs> I want this. <laughs> You're like, I drive a Tesla. What does that tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so I figured this dude's probably getting hit up a ton for these things, right? Uh, a few days later, LA Magazine, lamag.com, does a write-up on him and the new Beverly miniature. And, he's, and apparently he's, he does miniatures of all these famous old landmarks in Los Angeles. And uh, in the article, he mentions how 
he's had, he has one other person that wanted the new Beverly and uh, has ordered it. And I'm like, oh, I think that's me. I, I think that's, that's that is absolutely yeah, you that he's I, talking about. I thought he I thought he would have gotten flooded with orders. Nah, it's just me. It's just gonna be me. <laughs> but he, uh, what's no cool, one else had the audacity to request something that he already did once, but you just didn't care. <laughs> no. Uh, but but the cool thing about getting a new one done is he said I got to pick what was on the marquee. So part of the model is you have two sides of the new Beverly marquee, and then you have two uh, posters framed on the outside of the walls of the theater, and that's how it looks in real life. And he said I can pick which posters, that which two movies go on those posters, and which movies are featured on the marquee. And I was thrilled. So I thought to commemorate the night that we went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there, I would just do what was on the exact marquee that night. And thankfully we had pictures of both sides of the marquee. So I pull up my photo history. I see the one side that says, always in print, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. And definitely, that's what I want. And, uh, and, and then there, also there's a poster of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in one of the poster spots. That's I also want that. Then I look at the photo that we took that evening of the other side of the marquee and the other movie mentioned uh, as playing that Friday night or whatever was Herbie Fully Loaded starring Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I couldn't, I just couldn't, for the price I was paying, I couldn't pull the trigger <laughs> even to commemorate our wonderful evening. I just didn't want Herbie Fully Loaded to be the other movie on the marquee. I mean, if you're going to go Lindsay Lohan, you have to do... Uh, it's Mean Girls what? or Confessions oh, yeah, of a mean Shopaholic. Girl, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Freaky Friday? Freaky uh, Friday, even. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, but not, not Herbie Fully Loaded. Herbie, not Herbie wonderful Fully film Loaded. franchise. Don't get me wrong. But that movie, yeah. not it. Not going to be... Can we bring Herbie back? I think it's time for a reboot. Can we bring Lindsay back? That's... I mean... Ooh, no. I don't yeah. think... Rest she's been canceled rest numerous rest times. I think she's still in prison, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I went with I, I went with a different uh, marquee. I ended up saying, on that marquee, often it'll say what the Friday midnight movie is and the Saturday midnight movie. So I put Friday midnight Inglorious Bastards, Saturday midnight Pulp Fiction. I kept it all Tarantino, and then the other poster I put the original 1975 poster for Jaws. It's an iconic poster, and the 75 poster Great is poster. awesome. And so, uh, yep, submitted it to him, got it all approved, sent the marquee to print. It's in production now. He's been sending me updates. It's pretty exciting. Very, very excited. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, this is the type of thing I can afford because I don't have kids yet. So this, uh, these, are the, <laughs> these are the expenditures that will happen the minute I'm Live a father. <laughs> uh, Did he give you a delivery date on it? On the, uh, yeah, model? yeah. He said three weeks. It's supposed to be the first week of August. Oh, wow. So okay. We'll so do a video pod. And showcase this bat. Really, I'm going to place it behind me perfectly in frame for every podcast moving forward. Absolutely. (laughs) It's going to look like a Zoom background, like I'm at. Just had had an idea. Yeah. We can do a parody of Mr. Rogers' intro with all miniatures. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Can we commission like 10 more more miniatures from this guy? (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, well, we are at the hour mark. I, we were going to ra- race through some of the other things that we've seen recently. Do we have time? Sure, but I haven't seen anything. So oh, okay. Well, that's it. That's the show. Folks. No, I mean, I mentioned uh, Fear City, New York uh, versus the Mafia, new docuseries on Netflix. It just finished okay. three episodes. Really interesting. You have to forgive them for glorifying Rudy Giuliani, which we did, which it the movie did, and we all did in, in uh, America's mayor after 9-11. So... 
we are we all need to be forgiven because uh, he's a, a raging lunatic now. But uh, at least he broke up the, the five fa- mobster families in New York. Good job, <laughs> good job. Uh, Greyhound, Tom Hanks, Apple TV Plus movie, uh, big time dad movie. It's a World War Two movie. Uh, it's not Tom Hanks's best World War Two movie, but it's worth watching. Uh, I'll throw that one in the queue. Two movies. Well, I, was, I should say one movie that broke Hulu records. Been very popular. Palm Springs with uh, Andy Samberg and Kristen Miliocic. 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 Who knows? Um, yeah, we saw that. A lot Groundhog of Day that. for Millennials. Groundhog Day for Millennials. Groundhog, Groundhog Day for Anarchists. Uh, mm-hmm. Groundhog Day for the debaucherous. <laughs> <laughs> for sinners. Yeah, it's people Groundhog that, Day for uh, sinners. Go to hell. Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, I don't know what to say about it other than it's, it's entertaining in a time that there's not a lot else going on. But it did make me just want to watch Groundhog Day. I will say that. But, look, it was entertaining. Any Sandbergs. It hit at the perfect time. I think that... Like, if that movie had come out any other time, if it had even been released to movie theaters, I think it would have bombed. But Maybe. I mean, Hulu purchased it at Sundance. So I don't know what their release strategy was pre-pandemic, but it was, it was always going to drop on streaming. Uh, well, they nailed it. I mean, it's a perfect movie. Yeah, it's, per- for like no, a it's really a perfect surface. streaming. It really is. Yeah. Um, it's fun. I liked it. And I don't, I'm going to go on a limb here. This next movie is probably my f- favorite f- new film I've seen since the pandemic started. I'm trying to think. I think it is. And that is Kelly Reichert's film, First Cow. <laughs> did you uh, you watch this movie? I sure did. Okay. I, did I, I had, you know, I watched the trailer one time. I had no idea what to expect of this yeah. film. It's unreal. Yeah. I don't even know how to explain it. I don't either. I don't either, Aaron. I'm, a, I'm at a loss of words. It takes place in 1820s Oregon frontier. And... um. It is a film that is an indi- piece of independent cinema, to be sure. It's a film that is take, takes its time. It's very, uh, it's contemplative. It's a story about a friendship. It's a story about capitalism, especially in America's new frontier. It's uh, a story about how nothing beats a good baked good. Like, <laughs> Here, so I, I, you know what? I was thinking, I was having this exact same uh-huh. struggle in my head. Like, okay. how do you describe this movie? How do you sell it? Because it's worth watching. I thought it was very, oh, very yeah. interesting, yeah. very compelling, yes, very strange. Um, yeah, but it's really, really good. The last act so is I incredibly found, strange. Yeah, I found the official synopsis, and let me just read it, please, because I think it is the perfect encapsulation of what let this the pros, movie is. Yeah, let the pros take this away. Yeah, a skilled cook has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon though he only finds true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon the two collaborate on a successful business. Period. That's it. That's, That's the it. entire movie in a nutshell. That's what the movie is. That's it. That's, That's it. That's actually what That's happens the in the movie. <laughs> I just, I've just explained the entire film well, from I start don't to think finish. People don't need to see it anymore. Uh, it doesn't... It's a, it's a, I'm trying to think of, like, without sounding condescending... It is a, I don't want to call it an adorable piece of cinema. That's not it. It's a, uh, oh, it's endearing. It's precious. It's, uh, I'm not doing a good job. But it, it is, um, it's like, I just, I really want to just embrace the movie and just uh, coddle it and cuddle it. And <laughs> <laughs> this there really to is me this in- warm empathy to the movie that is like yeah. weird a heart. to describe. There's- 
Um, definitely a heart. Uh, yeah. If this movie came out 30 years ago, it would 100% be a Disney film. I think Disney live action film. It has the same tones. It has the same like structure. You, you know, I mean, like it has the same like bone structure. Like Disney obviously would build off of it, but the essence is the same. It's two hours long. It's rated PG-13. Um, Got Toby Jones. Yep. <laughs> very, very simplistic story, but executed um, at an expert level. And it's very compelling somehow, some way. Very interesting film. Yeah. It did make me hungry, though. Uh, thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to get in line to purchase one of those biscuits, those <laughs> scones or whatever they were. Uh, yeah. I, know, I think it was just a pancake. I'm going to say that was a pancake. It, yeah. It's a thick pancake. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, really, I, yeah. I, I wasn't fascinating film. It's a fascinating movie. But that's that's all that's all on my list. Any did I miss anything? Any other things that are worth catching? Not anything new. I mean I, I watched uh recently for the first time the movie W. Oh which, uh, Oliver Stone who's been doing Oliver the podcast. Stone directed. I, I really, really liked it. I okay, just so didn't I, expect to like it. I tried to get you to watch this movie when it came out. Yeah. Because because I, I saw the movie thinking, Oh, this is you know you introduced me to Oliver Stone via JFK, you know. I I fell down my first conspiratorial rabbit hole because of you. Oh, yeah. You you led me down. You, I took your hand. I dragged you down there. And yeah. I have never been the same. I red-pilled um, you, you. Oh, will. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so when Oliver Stone, because when Fahrenheit 9-11 first came out with Michael Moore, I'll never forget, you tried to persuade me to go see it. And I'm like, okay, I have limits, right? Like, I'm not going to go mm-hmm. watch a movie directed by this commie SOB, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Michael Moore. Uh who is gonna? You know, he is anti-American. He wants, uh, you know, at, at the time. Well, he's I just, not just anti. Anti. He hates America. Oh, That's he hates name. America. Hates yeah. America. Um, loves and Michigan, freedom. but hates America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He hates freedom. Is really what it is. But you were trying to get me yeah. to watch Fahrenheit 9/11, Mike Moore. I was just like, no, 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 no. But when, but when W came out, you know, at the time, I was still under the impression that George W. Bush was, yeah. Um, someone who was doing what he thought was best for America. I, I was sure. an idealist still. I, it hadn't, I didn't learn at that point. I didn't know yet that there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq <laughs> and that we would continue fighting those two wars up until this day. But I still went and saw W because I was like, I know Aaron's going to love this. It's Oliver Stone, who he loves. And it's, it's going the, – the, the liberal directors and the liberal filmmakers and these liberal actors are really going to have gonna a field trash, with W. Yeah. They're going to drag W, right? So yes. I went and saw it just, you know, because I figured you would. And I was like, so I saw W. Uh, and you're like, oh, yeah, how was it? And I was like, well, you haven't seen it? And you're like, no, I'm not going to see that movie. You were like, no way. And I was like, <laughs> what? And to this – I remember th- – because what's funny is, is I remember thinking it's not that bad. Now, some of the people in it are miscast, and it's a little bit laughable. Oh, yeah. Like, Richard Dreyfuss as, uh, as uh, Cheney. Cheney. And um, yep. you have as Condoleezza Rice um, from Westworld. Uh, uh, is it Zoe Saldana? No, no, no. Um, I'm blanking on her name. She's a British actress. Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, oh, what is her name? Uh, Tandy Newton. Tandy Newton. Tandy Newton. Tandy Newton, Newton yeah. as, as Condoleezza Rice. Tandy Newton is an excellent actress, and I've, sure. I enjoy her in almost everything she does. This wasn't good. Um, 
bad. It, because she's trying to do an impression, and it's really hard. Yes. And this was made while George W. Bush was still in office. So, it, like, you know, it, there was a sense that it was cobbled together. But it was more sympathetic to George W. Bush than I was expecting it to be, which is maybe why I kind of liked it. And you can get the sense that Oliver Stone's trying to get behind what the psychosis of why George W. Bush is the way he just kind of like it, it was more empathetic. Granted, it's scathing in some way, certainly to other people in the administration. But to George W. Bush, it was kinder than I was expecting. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think I, I had heard that as the review and that's at the why time. You wouldn't want, and that's yeah, really what like turned ready. me off. I'm like, I have zero you, interest in. Like, I just want the Michael Moore hard any, content. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. the only thing. That I, that's all I want to hear. So you liked wanna, it though? Yeah, it's a it's a very good. It's actually a very good movie. Give me your three best cast casting choices of the real life people in that movie. Oh man. Gosh, putting me on the spot here. Well, yeah, number one has to be Val. Are we're talking about like overall in cinema history or No, 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 in the movie. In the movie. Okay. Yeah, in so w. I I actually really liked Dreyfus as Cheney. Did you? Just because not because of the performance, but there are moments when he has like a Cheney look in his eyes. So I think he captured that. I I'm not a huge Richard Dreyfus fan in general, but I feel like he captures Cheney like at, at certain moments, yeah. um, but not overall. I thought it was that was pretty laughable. Nope. I did like. Yeah. What's his name that played? Um, oh, I got to look it up. Carl Give Rove. Me one second here. Yes, Carl Rove. Toby exactly. Jones from First Cow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Dude. I thought he was great. Yeah. Wasn't he? He was awesome as Carl Rove. You know who's great? Um, I actually liked uh, Cromwell, James Cromwell as Bush Senior. Oh yeah. I actually thought he was Cromwell's, pretty good. He's uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I like Josh Brolin as W. No, absolutely. He, Josh Brolin. He did Brolin a great is job. Good in this movie. Yes. Yes. He's good in this movie. Like, yeah. Weird. It it was not well received. Fifty eight percent Rotten Tomatoes. It was a rotten film. So. That's crazy. That that is not a rotten film. I'll tell you what. It's better than Vice. Yes, I it's agree. Better than Vice. Vice is a movie that I went in saying, "Oh man, I'm gonna love this. Yeah, I'm really gonna like this." Nope, wasn't a fan. I actually want to rewatch Vice just to be sure that I wasn't like, like in a bad mood or something. But it's not, I it's didn't not good. Enjoy it's, it. it's not good. Okay. It's and a lot of it's because it should have been better. Uh, like it's a missed opportunity. I think it way underperformed. Where W overperformed is probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've been watching movies like W. I watched uh, 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 Val Kilmer in uh, oh, what's Val. it called Thunderheart, which is really good. Thunderheart. I've um, never seen that. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so yeah, that's because there's nothing going on right now that I really want to see. Like, yeah. there's nothing new that's coming out that I really want to see, other than Tenet. That was the one I was looking forward to. Yeah, we're not going to get that this year. I mean, so. we've seen it, but we haven't, right? I mean, in the that's Tenet right. kind of way, you know? Exactly. Like, we're driving we'll that come car back backwards. around to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, after we do see it, then we have to come back to this one, and it's actually going to change what we said originally about it. So, <laughs> butterfly effect. <laughs> Uh, when Tenet does come out, I we're re, we are re-releasing just this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's great. I love that. Oh, but it's got to be backwards. Like we're playing uh, it backwards. When are we gonna see Tenet, man? When are we gonna see it? I'm calling it now. Summer 2021. We are. You're right. It's gonna be next summer because it's a summer yes. movie. I cannot exactly. see them releasing. That's Nolan's all about the summer, and I think he wants it released soon. But I just don't think he's gonna be able to. Like give up the summer release that he's so known for. They are it. not going exactly, and you know what? If they can't do a winter release, which I don't think they I don't are, think they're going to do it. They're not going to release it in spring. No, there's no way they're going to drop this in spring. No. So, yeah. 
I think it's I, summer. I, I'm with you. It's summer. I don't. I want to now. I want to know what movie will be the first one to usher in, like bring people back into the cinemas. What's the new big tent like, kind of flagship picture? Ooh, yeah. It's not going to be that Russell Crowe movie that they keep saying is well, coming out. Is isn't uh, Wonder Woman due out? Oh yeah, I think they moved it to October or November. Okay. So that's the next. I think that's the next block of movies that we're looking at now. As like, are they going to move? Right. Like it's the October slate, and that's going to be. October, November gives us Wonder Woman and uh, James Bond, right? I think that's October. It's October or November, something like that. Yeah, yeah so like one of these movies is going to, I, I'm calling it now, one of these movies is going to open in theaters because we're going to get to the point where all the all the virus is going to only be in the big states. It's only going to be in California and, and New York and Florida, Texas, but the rest of the country is going to be open. Or, I mean, or it's so, just going to disappear. One day, it's just not going to. We're going to wake up one morning, sure. and it will have disappeared. Well, the thing is, it doesn't like the heat. So yep. once summer yep. rolls around, look. Once summer twenty twenty one rolls around, yeah. Well, because it's it was one hundred and four today in Sacramento. It was scorching hot. Gosh. And all I kept thinking about all day was like how much coronavirus was just getting eviscerated today, which was thrilling. You know, the about heat time. just yeah. So I'm ready to see those graphs go back down. Uh, yeah, no, by the way, No Time to Die, the next Bond film is n- slated for November 20th of this year. So we'll see. We'll see. You know what? That would be actually be the perfect one because that Bond has a worldwide demand, especially Definitely. in the UK, obviously. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't I think I that, think Bond might Bond actually Bond and do Wonder it. Woman are both pretty good calls in terms of they're going to be worldwide movies. Obviously, ten, Tenet would have been that. Uh but they're not, they're not doing a Christmas release or, or Thanksgiving release for Tenet. I just don't see that. No way. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. No one won't allow it. So, And they already right. said they're not going to release the video on demand either. No streaming. There's no chance. There's no Tenet, chance. So. No, 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 no. Yeah. And they shouldn't. You know, I want to see that no, one. No, absolutely. So. I'm going to the movie theater. I don't care if I get the disease Dude, or not. So. I, went to a, I went to the movies um, like um, six weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, the the small window of time in the state of California where they allowed some movie theaters to reopen. None of the major chains did. Only a sm- handful of smaller chains reopened with some old movies. And it was like yeah. over a weekend, and I went and saw The Goonies, and I left. Thank goodness, coronavirus free. Um, and it closed immediately. I, the, the next day, oh, yeah. two days later, like that's just it was a very small window of time and i just feel like it was such a win and i got a photo and i'm really thrilled with that photo i've got a frame <laughs> you have proof yeah it's like guess what i know what it's like to do be in a movie theater <laughs> <laughs> all right um well aaron i'm gonna i'm gonna go watch the fifth episode of i'll be gone in the dark on hbo nice. the golden state uh, golden state documentary and i'm excited also i'm gonna go i'm gonna watch king's basketball this week uh the 31st uh, we have the first game back it wins the lakers first official game i haven't looked at the schedule uh, but it's coming up like it's kind within of the next what kind of a laker fan yeah. doesn't know this the bubble schedule i want to say it's the 29th or something i don't know so that's like three days away okay yeah. i think we play two games do we play each other twice i believe uh, out of the eight games we either play you or the clippers twice uh, I think well, that's... all I know is the Lakers play the Clippers on the 30th. Excuse me, it's the 30th, and no Lou Williams. So, oh, because the 10 day uh, Lou, what is he doing? <laughs> Lou. What are we Lou, doing? We blew Lou? It. Uh, if you guys win that game without Lou being there, 
We would have won that game anyway. I don't understand why people think that the Lakers aren't the best team in the league. It's, oh, we're just playing it's very once. obvious. We're just playing once. There's only eight games. Yeah, there's only eight games. Yeah, we're just so. playing, we're the last. You're the last game. We're playing you the 13th of August. You guys will. Buy, these we will have, win that game because you guys will be not trying because you will have no, locked exactly. in the second we're, seed. We're, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna be locked in. Um, I need four wins to collect on my wins bet with Skyler. Ooh. Um, Ooh. So. So I I and. <sighs> What you need one game I need, with Dion Waiters? I need one. So I have two. I have multiple bets with Skyler going. One of them is that Dion Waiters will touch an NBA basketball court in 2020, which, which almost didn't Dude. happen because he got picked up by the Lakers right before the pandemic. And I was like, booyah, I'm making good on my $20 bet with Skyler. And then the pandemic shuts down the season, and Skyler's like, booyah, I'm getting that 20 bucks. <laughs> he got signed to a roster but never touched the floor. And I was so upset by that. Uh, but now it Here's looks like thing. he could play. Oh, dude, Dion Wa- Dion Waiters looked awesome. He's good. <laughs> he, he was great. He looked great. Oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, my, he's definitely gonna play. My yeah, he's gonna pay up. My other bet with him, unfortunately, was the the win and loss total. Uh, I bet uh, I had the same bet with him last year. I bet that the Kings would have more wins last year than than the Mavs, and we did. And Ooh. so I pay, made good on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Luca could. I mean, what is he? Uh, even with the rookie mm. of the year, quote unquote, uh, whatever that means, uh, <laughs> they still couldn't win more games than the Sacramento Kings. This this year, though, it's looking like the Mavs will probably have more wins. It's looking likely. So I might not get any money from him because it'll be a can- they'll cancel each other out. But it's a wash. Uh, I think yeah. you're going to get your uh, your money from Skylar for sure. Good, well, good luck getting <laughs> the money. He, uh, yeah, exactly. No, uh, we're going to have to uh, make a visit to Dallas. He's famously elusive on Venmo. So. <laughs> From what I understand, he has a bike that's available. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> I've never – I don't know anyone in, in, on earth that has had more accidents on a bike than that poor we got to get that guy off the bike. He broke no his arm, bikes. and he thinks he's saving the planet Concussion? by riding a bike. He broke his arm. Then he got attacked by a homeless Antifa person. Um, yes, And absolutely. attacked, and he got a gash on his face from – it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So That was a couple years ago. We got a concussion from that. We got to get him out off the bike and into a Tesla. We need to get him on those one wheel thing that you have, dude. I, dude, that's I love the them. safe. I love them. They top out at sixteen miles per hour. But that's all you need around the streets of Dallas. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, look, that's JFK was going sixteen miles per hour in Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. You just cruising. It's a great speed. <laughs> it's a perfect speed, I would say. <laughs> I've seen him ride a bike. He can't even hit that on his bike. No, he's getting so. twelve max. <laughs> he's never listening to this, by the way. And if he listens to this episode, no, he's not getting into the hour not. eighteen mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to wrap up. Good stuff. Love you, buddy. Thanks for joining me. All right, man. We'll be back. Good seeing you. Have Great talking night. to you. And we'll be back. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. 